0: Lonely sun song, the songs for you talk about rewards this morning and the reason i want to talk about rewards is because we work for results we say we don't but we work for results we know we're not supposed to work for results but we still work for results we know we're not supposed to express negative emotions but we still express negative emotions we know that we're not supposed to feel superior to others that we're supposed to humble ourselves and find our place in the great ray of creation realize our nothingness and we don't do that As a matter of fact, we don't do anything that this work says to do. It's sad, but we don't. And the reason we don't is because we can't. And the reason we can't is because we can't do. But for some strange reason, we keep forgetting that. The strange reason we keep forgetting that is that we continually forget ourselves. And if you can't remember yourself, how can you possibly remember this work? How can you possibly connect your condition up with the work? I don't see how it can be done. Someone was telling me the other day that they had run into a person who left here about five or six years ago and gone to another group. And they had done so well in that group that they had some experience and they felt it in every center. And so they were so completely, totally awake and aware of every center in their being. I guess that means all seven centers. It means higher intellectual, higher emotional, sex center, instinctive center, moving center, emotional center, and intellectual center. Well, that's pretty incredible. And someone said to me, well, what number man would you have to be to do that? And I said, I don't know, 10, 11, 12. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. The sky's the limit. The great thing with imagination is the sky's the limit. You can imagine anything. Now, the really funny thing is, is that when that person was here, there was absolutely no difference in them. They were exactly the same. They imagined that they were completely enlightened, totally enlightened. And even though every once in a while they would realize that it was pure imagination, they would fall right back into that again and again and again. So many times that it became comical in one way it's kind of depressing you think oh my god it is impossible for us to change and then in another way it's depressing because you think oh my god it's impossible for us to change doesn't matter how many times we hear all of our emotions are negative we won't we can't believe it we simply cannot believe it and we're not supposed to believe it so it's good that we can't believe it at least that's one thing we've got going for us we're convinced that our good feelings are positive, and that our bad feelings are negative, and we're convinced that they are separate from one another. That the good feelings are over here, and the bad feelings are over here. That the sensations that we find pleasant are good sensations, pleasant sensations, and the ones that we call unpleasant really are unpleasant. We're convinced that it is that way. We're told our love can turn to hate, and any of our so-called positive emotions when we have them, can turn into their opposite. And we think, well, yeah, but not me. My love's real. Don't you think that? My love's real, I can feel it, it's real. I'm sure it's real. We're told our intellectual and emotional centers are wrongly connected, so that our intellectual center says yes or no, and our emotional center either likes or dislikes. And we say, well, what's wrong with that? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? That's the way it's supposed to be, isn't it? We're supposed to be able to say yes or no to things. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything other than this is deception. So that's proof that our intellectual center is wired properly, is connected properly. Because we are saying yes to this and no to that. And that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. And our emotional center, we either like something or dislike something. What's wrong with that? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're told that the higher intellectual and higher emotional centers include opposites so that the higher intellectual center says yes and no, while the emotions from higher emotional have no opposites in them. And we say, well, then that's where I am. That's how it is for me. I say yes and no at the same time. And I see that everything is the same. And all of my emotions have no opposites because they're real emotions. And this is what we do with this teaching. This is what we do, and it's not just this teaching. This is what we do with all teachings, everything. Every church, every religion, every school of thought, every philosophy, everything on this planet is taken the same way because it's taken by the people on this planet. And the people on this planet are not awake. The people on this planet are sleeping machines. You are on this planet. I am on this planet. We are sleeping machines. Oh, surely not. We're more awake than those other people. I can find people who are more asleep than I am. Yes, but that doesn't awaken you at all. All that does is feed your imagination even more so that you feel even more superior, so that you feel even more special, so that you feel like you feel everything in all of your centers, all at the same time. What a load of garbage. This is the guy who felt a twitch in his toe and went to sleep during an exercise once. I mean, hello? It just doesn't happen this way. It just doesn't. The only place that enlightenment happens instantaneously is in your imagination. The only place that enlightenment happens over a number of years is in your imagination. Enlightenment doesn't happen. It just doesn't. The number of people claiming real emotions proves that we don't understand what this work teaches about emotions. We imagine we can produce or manufacture positive, real emotions apart from higher emotional center. Or that we are properly connected to higher emotional center and receiving positive emotions at will. We think that we actually have something to do with it. This is the thing. It's like what we're working toward is conscious love. Okay, well, I'll work toward conscious love. All right, I love consciously now. I found this one person, and I consciously love this one person. So now you have generated, you have produced a positive emotion. That's really what you're saying, but that's not what this work teaches. That's not what this work teaches at all. That's not what esotericism teaches. That's not what anything real teaches. One moment of sincere self-observation will obliterate that warped illusion instantly but not forever. That's the problem, not forever. It's something that will need to be done many, many times. You will have to have that sincere moment of self-observation that will obliterate that warped illusion that you can create your own positive emotions. Get this straight, you can't create anything. You did not create yourself and you cannot create anything about yourself. We fall prey to imagination because we're always looking for an easier, softer, faster way to get where we think we want to be. And where we think we want to be is not really where we need to be. Where we think we want to be is a product of our intellectual center, which is wrongly connected that tells us, well, we should be here, we should be there. Or it's a product of our wrongly connected emotional center that feels like this would be a good thing and feels like that would be a good thing and feels like that over there would be a bad thing. So if you listen to this broken emotional center, then all suffering is bad. And the only thing that's really good is hedonism and pleasure. If you listen to the emotional center, then you should only do what you like and you should never do what you don't like. And if you listen to the broken intellectual center, then you'll say yes to this and no to that. Based on what? Based on some form of logic that it comes up with based on life this is not what this work teaches all of this is born and bred in the false personality the part of us that is acquired that we acquire in life that's built by life that's built by life for life you've seen those commercials well not commercials but kind of spoofs on uh it's a chevrolet thing is a body by fisher and then you'll see some guy with a big beard gut says body by budweiser well this false personality is body by life this is what life has built And it's just as ridiculous as the guy with the beer gut body by Budweiser. The false personality. We always come back to the false personality. And the reason we always come back to the false personality is Lospensky said it beautifully. Everything is false personality. Find out what isn't. Well, if everything is false personality, how can you possibly find out what isn't? I don't know that, but it's an instruction. And the question is, can you follow that instruction? Can you try to find out what isn't false personality? Yes, you could try. How would you do that? Well, by finding out what is false personality. Just find out what is false personality. And after you've done that, maybe you'll stumble upon what isn't. At least it'll have you looking in the right direction. But as it is, we look like, well, that's not false personality. We already know what isn't false personality. We've already found what isn't us. I'm not false personality. That's how we think. You may not sit there and think, oh, yes, that's what I think. But trust me when I say this is your ground of being. This is your center of gravity. This is where you come from. And if you think you don't, just remember a moment when you sincerely observed yourself and look at the parody that you are. You are a caricature, not a real person at all, just a fiction, just a cartoon character just a political pun that some cartoonist drew and wrote about, then life is the cartoonist because we agree with life. We allow life to push us around, as it were, to guide us, to direct us, to tell us what we should want, what we should love, what we should not love, what we should like, what we should dislike, what is good and what is bad. We let life tell us that. This work is not about that. This work is about us realizing that life is only telling us lies that life tells us what it wants us to know and our pride and vanity and imagination make it easy for life to tell us what it wants us to know because we believe it and listen to it because it's easier that way it makes us feel good it massages and soothes our self-love positive real emotions are not something you create they are rewards a reward is a gift a reward is unmerited favor a reward can be called grace It doesn't mean you don't have to do anything to receive a reward. You get a reward. It doesn't mean you just sit around waiting for something to fall in your lap. It means you must be in a receptive state to receive a reward. Mothers think their love for their children is a positive emotion. I hear this all the time. And this is why mothers feel so much guilt and shame those times when they want to get rid of their kid, those times when they just want to strangle it, or those times when they just want to get away from it, to make it stop, to close the door and not have to deal with it anymore. Of course, there are lots of people who will not admit that. Most of them are not mothers. A person who's not a mother, who hasn't had the experience, will say, Well, I would never do that. Or a person who has not reached the end of themselves yet will say, I would never do that. That's not a good mother. They would have all kinds of judgments about it. But all that means to me is that they haven't reached the end of themselves. They have not looked at themselves. They have not seen what is in them. People who judge are people who are blind to their own character defects. They're blind to what they are. They do not see themselves. Those are the only people I know who judge. When we don't see ourselves, we judge other people. If we work against negative emotions, if we work at not identifying, if we work at trying to remember ourselves when life has turned against us, the easiest thing in the world is to love someone when they're easy to love. The easiest thing in the world is to be happy when life is going your way. The easiest thing in the world is to have positive, wonderful, good feelings when everything's going nicely for you. But that's not the time that this work asks you to remember yourself. Well, it's a good idea to remember yourself then. Because if you can remember yourself then, the first thing you'll do is you'll start to calculate second force. You'll start to realize that all these happy, nice feelings you have right now are going to change. And that the more attached you get to them and the more you cling to them, the more painful and miserable it's going to be when they do change, when they do go away. Then you're going to desire that and want that and cling to that as it disappears. And you're going to suffer because of that. And it won't be useful, necessary suffering. It'll be the same useless, unnecessary suffering you did the last time that all of those happy, nice feelings went away and were replaced by the crap feelings that life brings to us from time to time. Did I say from time to time? Yes. (laughs) I guess I meant it the other way around. The good feelings life brings to us from time to time, the crap feelings are the ordinary feelings. I love the people who think, oh, well, I don't want anything to do with that. All my feelings are great. Yeah, okay. Well, that's wonderful. You just keep taking that drug, keep smoking that stuff, keep doing whatever it is you're doing. Stay right there in the bar, sucking down imagination for as long as you can afford it. But if we work against negative emotions, if we work against not identifying, if we work at trying to remember ourselves when life has turned against us, we could enter a receptive state. If you were, you could actually enter a receptive state. It could happen. In that state, we could get a flash of a positive emotion. So unlike our ordinary emotions, we would taste the difference immediately and shut up about our so-called positive emotions instantaneously. If anyone ever had a flash of a positive emotion, you wouldn't be able to see them strut around. That's it, strut. Have you ever seen these little tiny roosters, little banny roosters? They have this attitude this little man this, this little man's attitude you know they kind of strut it's actually funny to see this little rooster, and they'll strut up to a big rooster. You know, the big rooster will kick their butt, but they'll strut away after they get out of harm's way. Then they strut some more. And it's, like, amazing how they do that. And, you know, we all have this little banny rooster inside of us that just won't quit. It just loves to strut. It just loves to think more of itself than it really is. It likes to think that it's a big rooster. It likes to think that it's a big bird. It likes to think that it's, well, banny roosters are pretty. But they like to think that they're bigger and prettier than they actually are and better and tougher than they actually are (laughs) and we're so much like that there's something in us that's so much like that and if we could have that flash of positive emotion it would be so unlike our ordinary emotions the emotions that we call good the emotions that we call positive so unlike it that we wouldn't have anything to say about positive emotions after that you wouldn't hear people say things like well yes and I felt that in all of my centers (laughs) Right. You wouldn't hear that kind of nonsense. And the reason you wouldn't hear that kind of nonsense is because a positive emotion has both. It includes everything. You have a positive emotion, let's say love, real love. The pangs of real love equal the joys of real love, all at once. You have no concept of what the heart of God feels. And if you get a flash of it, it will shut your mouth. You will be hesitant to tell anyone you love them. You'll be hesitant to say you love lima beans. You won't be hesitant. It will be impossible for you. You wouldn't be able to use the word the way we use the word. A flash of real emotion can change you. It can alter your being in a way that nothing else can. Many times we're told we need to prepare our lower centers to receive the influences from higher centers, that that's really what this work is about. This work is not about cajoling higher forces to come to our aid. Higher forces are happy to come to our aid. They're eager to come to our aid. The conscious circle of humanity longs to give us what we need to get out of this prison that we've made for ourselves. Just think of the story of the prodigal son where the son finally, after he squanders everything that his father gave him, turns his life into pure misery. He finally, one day, comes to himself, he wakes up, and he looks at everything, and he says, this is insane. I've ruined my life. I could go back to my father's house. I could work as a servant and eat better than I'm eating here. That's it. I'm going back. And so he leaves everything, and he heads back. And while he's still on the road, yet a long way off, his father rushes down the road to meet him, puts a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, and a robe on him, and he welcomes him back. This is what the conscious circle of humanity feels for us. And we are the ones who have ourselves to feeding pigs to longing to eat their swill and their slop because you see what we work for in this world is swill it's slop it's what the world feeds to pigs to fatten them up for the slaughter this life is just feeding you this to fatten you up for the slaughter and nothing fattens you up better than pride nothing swells your head swells you like pride and vanity and we have a steady diet of it on this planet pride and vanity and imagination We wouldn't need to prepare our lower centers if they weren't wrongly connected. This work tells us, all esoteric teachings tell us, you've got to prepare to receive these higher influences. You can't receive them the way you are. We're brimming with wrong ways of thinking, wrong attitudes, twisted reactions to life's external events. Look at the way that we react to things. Have you overreacted this week? Oh, yeah. How many times? Oh, Do I have to count? I can't count. Too many times. The emotional center is the worst of all since it's infested with negative emotions. The intellectual center, we can kind of make our way there a little bit. But the emotional center, we're lost. People go crazy. No one ever kills anyone unemotionally. People don't steal from other people unemotionally. People don't do negative things without emotion. There's always emotion behind it, always. People don't do harsh, horrible, vicious things without some kind of emotion behind it. They don't coldly calculate it without some kind of emotion behind it morris nichols said of the emotional center it's as if you put your radio under water and expected it to transmit aright we have to squeeze out this wetness from the emotional center by a kind of pressure on ourselves by a to and fro movement sometimes going in one direction sometimes in another until the water is wrung out of it are you doing that with your emotional center are you wringing out the negative emotions are you pushing yourself this way and that way to get rid of negative emotions or are you just giving way to them Are you justifying them? Are you saying, well, well, I was hurt. Well, you said that, and, and that just made me feel that way. Are you making excuses for your negative emotions? Are you justifying your negative emotions? This water, he says, is being identified with your negative states all day long. I told you that being depressed is like being waterlogged. Because it's a negative emotion. It's like being waterlogged with negative emotions. If you've ever picked up a log that's waterlogged out of the water, it's very heavy and soft and dark, just like depression. Very heavy, soft and dark. And it can be very cold. Or worse, it can be just kind of tepid. Not cold, not hot at all, just tepid. Not a very nice way to go through life, but people do it all the time. The state of our emotional center is based in violence. That's it. Our emotional centers are based on violence. All negative emotions, all of our ordinary emotions, all of them lead down to violence. We don't agree with that. We think that this emotion will not lead to violence. We think that our love will not lead to violence. And yet, our love leads to violence more than any other emotion. Because we expect more from the object of our love. Which is just the opposite of love. That's not love at all. As we read yesterday in the House on the Rock, that's lust. Lust turns inward. What is it going to get me? Love turns outward. What can I do for you? We can't seem to get this through our heads. We have justifications, reasons, and excuses for every negative emotion that carries us away. And they do carry us away. They just drag us down like into a pit of quicksand. And some of them, it's like a trap door opens up underneath us, and we just fall into it. It happens so quickly. Some of them, we just get sucked in slowly. Love is one of the ones that sucks us in slowly. We have no real, lasting happiness or peace because we refuse to admit our love is love-hate. Our happiness is happiness-unhappiness. We won't see it. We keep blocking one part of it. We refuse to admit these simple, observable facts because we blind ourselves with pride, vanity, and imaginary eye. How difficult it is to admit that our pictures of ourselves are fantasies, pure imagination, that what we think of ourselves is not real at all. It's just a fiction. We continue to lean to our own understanding, thinking that if we can alter circumstances, the outer life, will have positive emotions. If we can just get these people over here to stop doing this, we can just get that person over there to start doing this, then we'll have positive emotions. Mm-hmm. Our positive emotions are based on what happens in life, what other people do, how other people treat us. What this work is saying is that's not a positive emotion. That's another aspect of life. That's another trap that life offers you. It's another snare that life has set for you. To think that altering something in life, that altering something externally is going to create a positive emotion in you is insanity. You cannot create a positive emotion. You have to receive it from where it comes from, and it doesn't come from you. You have to receive it from something higher, but in order to receive it for something higher, you must prepare something lower, that's you, to receive it. You can't get a positive emotion in an emotional center that's infested with negative emotions. You can't get a real thought and a real idea in an intellectual center that's stuffed with yes or no, right or wrong, black or white, up or down, good or bad, hot or cold, either or. Escaping from our prison of self can only be done internally by coming under fewer laws. This is our preparation. We must bring ourselves under fewer laws through our internal work. Your internal work is not about going around telling other people, I feel this in all of my centers. That is no more than Pharisaism. You may as well be standing on the street corner praying or fasting and disfiguring your face so that other people can see you and say, oh, what a holy, righteous, wonderful person. Oh, how evolved he is. Oh, he must really be doing the work. That's your reward. You work for merit. That's what you get. You get merit. But you'll get nothing from the work. And you'll get nothing from the work because the work does not reward self seekers. Positive emotions don't come to people who would squander them like that on self aggrandizement and self love. We live under 48 orders of laws, and if we're very negative, we're under 96 orders of laws. We're seeds full of unrealized possibilities. That's all, just seeds. What good are seeds? Really, they're no good at all. They're worthless. Leave seeds long enough, and they'll spoil, they lose their efficacy. You don't plant a seed under the proper circumstances. If a seed doesn't die and fall into the ground, it can't bear fruit. We're seeds that refuse to die and fall into the ground. We're seeds that keep on struggling to be alive instead of struggling to die so that we can have the rebirth or the new birth and become the new man. Esoteric teachings turn us in the right direction to get this disordered state set right so that we can realize our possibilities. But being turned in the right direction is not the same as moving in the right direction. And how many times do we have to be turned in the right direction? You have to be turned in the right direction several times a day. Unfortunately, there's just nobody around to do it for you. So you have to do it, but you're too busy. You're too busy in life to turn yourself around in the right direction. Gurdjieff said, I want a man to reach a stage of understanding this work so that he can be bent, twisted and turned, and yet he will always point in the same direction. The reason Gurdjieff wanted that was because that is the only way. It doesn't matter what life throws your way, You have got to turn in the right direction every single time. It doesn't matter how horribly life treats you. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you have something in you that can constantly find true north, that can constantly turn in the right direction, that can constantly, no matter which way it's twisted and bent and moved by life, it can always come back to the right direction. That's what we need to be working on inside of ourselves. That's what we need to be finding inside of ourselves, not ways to boast about how many centers we can feel, not ways to boast about how wonderful we are, Not ways to boast about how much better we are than anyone else. How much better our work group is than their work group. How much better our teacher is than their teacher. How much better our this is than their that is. That level is exoteric. It's absurd. Give it up. Let it go. Run from it. Flee from it. Only by practicing these ideas internally and externally, with ourselves and other people, can we reach a point where nothing outside will move us. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would have done it already. If it was easy, we'd all be walking around like little banny roosters saying, I feel that in all my centers. You don't, most people cannot even tell you what their centers are. And for you to feel your center, that is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. Where did you feel that? well i felt it in my sex center oh really and where's that well right down here oh is that right and your intellectual center i suppose that's up here well yeah that's right up here in my head and your emotional center that's over here yeah that's right that's right and where's your moving center oh it's uh just right down here yeah here it is and uh your instinctive center well that's over here you know this is one of the first things you're taught in this work is don't try to locate these centers that's all figures it's all blackboard stuff Don't make a fool of yourself by taking the blackboard stuff and rubbing yourself on the blackboard. Say, oh, you're the eraser on the blackboard now. So you use yourself to wipe everything off the blackboard and get it on you. So now you're enlightened. That's not how it works. This has to be internal and external with yourself and with other people. We're full of eyes that hate these ideas and try to sabotage us from every single direction. Full of eyes that absolutely hate these esoteric ideas, loathe them, want to destroy them, would do anything to get rid of them. If you don't know that, you need to observe yourself. They know that they'll have to die if the ideas find a place in us from which we live life. If you can start living life from these ideas, you're dead. You're signing your own death warrant. You will become less. You will diminish. Your false personality will become passive. It will fade away. It will start to lose its grip. And I'll tell you, that can be frightening. That can be absolutely frightening. But don't worry, because the eyes that hate this work, that hate these ideas, they'll fight for you. They'll fight to keep your false personality active. We've got to give up our belief in imaginary I. If we're going to rid our emotional center of negative emotions, we've got to give up our belief in imaginary I. All these changing emotions that turn from love to hate when things don't go our way, they all have to go. All these changing emotions that turn from happiness to unhappiness when things don't go our way, when our work doesn't go our way, when this doesn't go our way, or that doesn't go our way. Hate offers us control and power over negative states. That's what it offers us. But it never delivers lasting peace or lasting happiness because it's a weakness that rots our souls. Hate is a weakness that rots your soul. The false personality believes it's a strength that gives you control, that keeps you from suffering. Because love is suffering. Because there is suffering in love. Oh yes, there's great joy in love. There's also great suffering in love, real love. And to ward off that great suffering, we often employ hate. Dislike, Annihilation. Excommunication. We are between two things. We must choose the higher every moment of every day. Or the work will grow cold in us and we'll go back to sleep. The danger of going to sleep is you never know when you're going to wake up again. Because you don't have any control over that. It's not up to you when you wake up. If it was, you could wake up right now. But you can't. The only thing you can do right now is say you're awake. But you can't wake up. Think about it. You light up an instant matter. It's part of a cosmic ladder